Hey everybody, welcome to Take Heart today. I hope you're enjoying some sunshine wherever you live. Um, there's a verse that I love about the cross as we look towards Good Friday, and it's in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says this, For the joy, this is of Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. One of the things that that reminds me of is that the cross was something that Jesus had to endure. We sing about the cross and we talk about the cross and um, we receive everything through what Jesus does on the cross, but Jesus has to endure the cross. And the endurance takes place on a, on a few different levels. One is the physical endurance that it involved. Because today we, we have crosses in our churches and we wear jewellery and things like that that have crosses on, we can um, almost be desensitized to what it is. It's like we've put an Insta filter on the cross and, and we, we don't appreciate that it is in fact an implement of death. In the way that if someone was to wear an electric chair on a piece of jewelry, we might be a bit shocked by that because in our culture that speaks more of death perhaps. But the cross was this horrendous torture implement that was used to humiliate and, and, and brutally kill people. Um, not only was Jesus beaten and whipped, but when he was nailed to this piece of wood and hoisted up, the, the method of execution was ultimately suffocation. Because he was hanging uh, in a particular way, he wouldn't be able to breathe. And so the only way he could take a breath in would be to push down on the nails in his feet. And you can imagine if his back has been ripped to shreds by the, by the whips, the agony of scraping his back against the splintered rough wood of the cross. Take a breath and then sink back again, and then push up again in order to take another breath. And what happened is people managed to do that for hours, but eventually, of course, they were spent and they couldn't push up anymore and they would die through suffocation. That's why the Romans, when they wanted to speed execution up, they would break the legs of the people who were hanging on the crosses so that they couldn't push themselves up any further. And so Jesus goes through this um, agonizing, painful, humiliating death. Such was the brutality of the cross that Roman society, in polite society, you wouldn't even mention the word cross or crucifixion. That's how horrifically it was viewed. So he has the physical agony, but in addition to that, what's happening is Jesus is taking upon himself on that, on that cross all of our selfishness, the consequences of our sin. And the ultimate consequence of our sin is relationship with God is broken. We're separated. Our sin separates us from God, who is the source of our life and our wholeness and um, our, our security and our life, every, our freedom, basically, everything that is good. We're, we're cut off from our Father because of our sin. Now, God the Son and God the Father have been in this relationship of love forever. They've, there's never been a moment where there's been a separation. Um, there was no beginning to it, and up until the cross, there had never been a moment of separation. But on the cross, Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And for a moment in time, that relationship between God the Father and God the Son is, is broken. If you've ever been in a relationship that has broken down, if you've ever been friends with somebody who's had a relationship with a parent or with a, a, a partner break up, you, you've seen something of the pain of broken relationship. 
but even the greatest human relationship, the most profound love you've ever witnessed around you, is like a, like a tiny raindrop in comparison to the Pacific Ocean when we think of the love that has always existed between God the Father and God the Son. And so for them to have that broken was agony. So Jesus endures that broken relationship as well when he dies on the cross. When we consider what he endures, my question becomes, you know what, how did he manage to do that? Or another way of putting it is, why? And the verse in Hebrews, it gives us the answer because it says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So what is the joy? If this is the scale of the sacrifice, if this is how horrific and horrendous what he goes through is, then the joy has got to be pretty special to make it worth it, right? And so, um, you know, if, if you're asking me to make a sacrifice, but you're offering me a prize almost to make it worth my while, it's got to be proportionate to the sacrifice. So if you ask me to run a marathon through a desert and you say, but don't worry, if you do that, the joy that is set before you, the prize will be 50p, then, then about probably 20 minutes into the marathon in the desert, I'm going to be thinking, this is absolutely not worth it. This is completely not worth it. I'm dropping out. But if you say to me, hey, run a marathon through a desert, and at the end of it, the prize is going to be 50 million pounds, then I'm in. You know what? And I might make it to mile 22 and think I've still got four miles to go, but and I'm in absolute agony. I've never been in this much kind of pain mentally and physically. But there's 50 million pounds waiting for me over the finish line. Anybody would train for that, right? Anybody would, however unfit you feel like you're starting with, you'd be like, I'm going to make it to the end of this 26 miles because I'm going to be rich because the joy of that 50 million pounds makes the pain so worth it. So um, the prize has got to be worth the sacrifice. And consider this, how great the sacrifice is. How much Jesus endures, the, the, how much Jesus and the Father endure as they go through the cross. So the prize has got to be utterly unbelievable, right? To, to, to make you think, but for the joy of this, I'm going to endure. The prize has got to be unbelievable. So what is the joy? What is the prize? I used to think the prize was heaven. I used to read this verse and it'd be like, look, he goes through the joy, you know, for the joy set before him, he endures the cross and he sits down at the right hand of the Father in heaven and his prize is, thank goodness I've done it, I've made it, now I get to be in heaven and relax with the Father. But uh, I've realised that is not the joy, that's not the prize. Because if it does, it doesn't make any sense. He already enjoyed heaven with the Father before he came to earth. He didn't gain heaven. He didn't gain perfect relationship with the Father because he went through the cross. That was his anyway. The only thing he gains through going through the cross is you. You're the joy. You're the prize. So am I. We're his prize. We're what kept him going. We've got four boys, as you may well know, which means I have sat through four labours. And um, I've been next to Beth in various rooms in hospitals while she has gone through the agony of labour. My, my job description in a moment like that is fairly limited. <laughs> Try not to annoy Beth, basically, is the job description. Try not to eat my Pringles too loudly as I'm sitting there for hour number five. Text my mother-in-law, regular updates. 
um, but also chief encourager is probably the main actual practical thing I have to do. I'm the chief encourager. And, um, you know, it's pretty awful, um, obviously, for Beth. And, um, and, and there are moments where after hours of this, it's utter exhaustion and it's agony and it's just how much longer can I keep going? And at moments like that, that's when I've said, when I think she's not going to get too annoyed at me, come on, Beth, you can do this. You can do this. Keep going. Why? Because just a little while longer and you'll be holding our boy. Just a little while longer. Hang in there. Keep going because then you'll be holding him in your arms. And then inevitably there comes the moment where, where the, the baby's born and he's placed on Beth. And in that instant, it's incredibly profound because, because you see this, this total roller coaster from from agony to complete ecstasy as she holds him and says hello for the first time. And um, it's, the, it's the, almost like the pain of it all is swallowed up in the joy of holding our new boy. It's as if the father and the son, they say to each other, they look at the cross and they say to each other, for the joy set before us, for the prize, we're going to go through this and we're going to, it's going to be horrific, but we're going to go through it because if we do, in just a little while, we will be holding them in our arms. And what they mean by that, what this verse means, is us. They do this in order to win us. At the end of a marathon, it's got to be a good prize. So at the end of the cross, it's got to be something utterly spectacular. And in God's eyes, it is. It's you. And I know if you're like me, you'll think, well, that just can't be true. I'm such a mess. He must not really know me. He does know you. He formed you in the womb. And he understands those parts of our lives that are a mess. That's why he went to the cross, to clean us up, to cleanse us of our mess. But if we don't believe this, we've missed what Jesus says. When he says there's a woman who sweeps a whole house to find a coin and then she rejoices because she got the prize. There's a shepherd who goes looking on hillside after hillside for his one lost sheep and then he throws a party because he found his sheep. And there's a father who runs towards his lost son with tears in his eyes and throws a party like nothing else because he's got his prize, he's got his joy. Well, there is a God who goes through utter torment and then rejoices over you. He does it for you. This is how much he loves us. That's why it's called Good Friday. God bless.